Hello and welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast. This is a recording of a conference session that took place as part of our Sustainable Wine Packaging Conference on the 23rd of June 2021 as a virtual event. It was kindly sponsored by BSI, the British Standards Institution. Thanks so much to them for their support. With us in this group today, um, we've got Oliver Lee, we've got Carlos, hopefully will be joining us, Rob Malin and Ollie Purnell. So what we're going to do is just do a quick introduction for um, everyone to introduce themselves and give an overview of what they're doing, um, especially highlighting the uh, key sustainability aspects that both drew them to the formats that they're working with in wine um, and, uh, and uh, really, you know, what might not be known by the participants on this, um, on this uh, conference in terms of, hi, Carlos. Um, might not have been thought of before. So sort of the less obvious aspects of the formats that they're working with, but also their overarching sustainability approach of the company, the ethos and what drew them into sustainability and, and how core it is um, to, to what they're doing. So just to start off, I'm actually a winemaker at this place that you can see behind me. Uh, Chateau Georges Set is a new domain that I created a couple of years ago. Uh, with some vines that belong to a neighboring property. And then I created the chateau, I've created the wines um, and everything that goes with it. And uh, so I'm coming at it from a producer perspective. And the reason I'm very interested in the packaging aspect is that as a small producer, it's very hard to get economies of scale. And therefore when you're spending money on packaging, uh, every element counts. And obviously as we know in a standard bottle of wine, you've got the bottle, the capsule, the cork and two labels front and back as well as the boxes and the inserts of the boxes and um and also being in a very traditional wine making region such as Bordeaux as I looked at bottling my most latest wine which is my white wine that I bottled this year and started to look at how I could maybe use a different format to the bottle which is obviously the traditional format here in Bordeaux I found it really really hard uh, because the infrastructure wasn't necessarily here to help me, uh, certainly for the quantities um, that I had, um, to help me maybe look at more sustainable uh, options. And also getting information, I think other people have mentioned that, about the sustainability aspects of certain elements of packaging. So if I want to innovate as a small producer in a traditional wine region, I've got additional uh, challenges and some of those things I might bring out and challenge some of the guys on the on the panel with as we go through but I uh, just wanted to sort of I will bring the producer aspect if I feel that it's relevant to the chat too so anyway do you want to start Rob uh, do a bit of the of intro of of yourself and overview what you're doing and the sustainability sustainability aspects of the packaging you're working with Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm Rob Malin from uh, When in Rome. Uh, we are an Anglo-Italian uh, wine startup. Uh, we, I guess we, well, we're three years old, but let's call us, we'll still call ourselves a startup. We still, we still feel like we still feel like a startup anyway. So, um, and um, you know, like to sort of carry on in the same candid style that uh, Sally uh, has uh, brought to the table. You know, we actually came across Bag in Box. Um, not in the first instance because of its um, eco-credentials at all. Um, but, you know, one, my business partners are Italian. We work with um, relatively small uh, producers across 
Italy. And actually what we wanted to do was kind of recreate the Italian drinking experience in, you know, in, a, in a homes abroad, overseas from, from Italy. And uh, the bag and box just seemed like the best way to do it because as we know, Italians actually, you know, they have a much higher alcohol uh, per capita consumption than Brits, but you know, you don't, you never see a drunk Italian and uh, it's because they drink uh, in a very moderate but regular basis. And, and the bag, bag and box fit, felt like the best way to kind of recreate that. So that's how we came across the bag in box um, and has since learned about its eco credentials. And, and then, uh, you know, uh, as we've grown, uh, we broadened to other eco-friendly and, you know, I re- realize I'm using that term very casually, but um, eco-friendly formats um, like the can. And um, we've launched together with Philip Schofield, who is one of our, like, you know, brand ambassadors, um, a flat bottle that goes through a uh, letterbox for, for gifting. So we work with three different eco-friendly formats um, and uh, something like 20 producers across Italy. Great. Okay, Oliver. Hi, sorry, just battling with the mute. Um, yeah, thank you, Sally. I'm I'm Ollie. Um, I'm here from Big Wine um, or the Big Wine Company. We're direct to consumer wine company, uh, primarily, especially now, e-commerce uh, and uh, subscription based. So we're online um, first. Uh, we also do some some wholesale, uh, especially to the on trade and uh, a, a little contract filling. Um, and you know, <laughs> we're, uh, primary product is, is boxed wine. Um, last year, we were due to launch a, um, a, a bar in central London, a bar and shop. And um, as a result of that being shelved for obvious reasons, we, we looked to see if there was another way we could sort of get in front of our, our customers and consumers. And you know, we, we developed uh, some taster pouches. So that's our sort of second product at the moment, 100 mil pouches, uh, flexible packaging. Um, uh, and, um, and and that's roughly sort of what's in our armory at the moment. Then those two two products, and um, you know the, the aspects that drew us to to both of those formats actually flexible flexible packaging, but I would say actually really alternative packaging as a whole is you know, it is because we are you know, from the start we've been mission led. A little like Rob though, we had always been frustrated at the lack of availability in, of good wine in, in, in boxes and we liked the way you can drink from boxes the convenience factor but when we came up with the idea to run it as a, as a company that that mission sort of came to the fore straight away um, and the mission is really to make it easier for people to drink the wines that they want to drink uh, in a sustainable and convenient fashion and I think also whilst over delivering on, on value and you know, it's those, I'm sure we've heard them already today, but those, those key aspects of the low carbon footprint, low waste, low wastage, uh, low emissions, you know, they, they are huge and, and really impactful. So, you know, right from the start, that was, that was part of what we were, we were doing. And it meant that sustainability as an approach has always been something that runs through everything we do. Um, and I think it's much easier for us to do that. Actually, companies like ours and Robs and, and Ollie's, you know, we're in a great position to do that because if you look at producers, there are hundreds of thousands of producers, and it's, I don't think we can expect them to be you know, beholden to lead from the front in terms of um, packaging and the, 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 the forefront of these new packaging types or with box one old packaging types. But 
there are technical challenges, there are material costs involved with equipment, and there's a real marketing burden. And, and we actually think that it's going to be companies, you know, most likely startups that are innovating, leading from the front. Um, and, and that's sort of why those convenience and, and value factors are so important. Um, I also don't think we can expect consumers, you know, I have heard today um, a little earlier on in people talking about, of course, there's evidence that con consumers are willing to spend a bit more, but I actually don't think we'll get anywhere unless we can deliver something alongside that. So you know, that ability to, to deliver a format which is actually better for your lifestyle at home allows you to drink a little less, but, but better. Um, that turns out to be, you know, in, with, with quite a lot of alternative um, formats, to be better value, then I think that's the way we'll, sort of, we'll, we'll, we'll crack this and be able to lead it from the front. So, in, in many respects, having sustainability sort of running through everything we do does mean that we have, have some sacrifices along the way, but I think it, you know, it's also our strongest message and, and, um, and puts us in a good position going forward. So, um, that, that's us, really. Um, Sally, anything else you'd like me to cover at that point? Um, no, that's good for a great intro. Thanks. Um, okay. And then, we, uh, just in case anyone thinks I'm going mad, there are two people called Ollie on this panel. <laughs> just, because, just because they're thinking, well, what, what's going on? So, Ollie. <laughs> Ollie, no, uh, yes. crew, Ollie, would you like hello. to? <laughs> Secondary Ollie. Hello. Yes. So, I'm Ollie Fennell, co-founder of the Copper Crew, and we make can wine we're called the copper crew because uh we're all ginger so that's where the copper comes from and crew because we want to share good wine with people and we get uh we make all of our wines in south africa um and so the three there are three of us in this business and um, at the time we started we were all we were all under 25 we've now just ticked over 25 but because of that sustainability was you know sort of just at the forefront of the way we we approach the business full stop um and we also wanted to do something and use a format which allowed us to stand out relatively easily and build a profile in wine. Um, and we looked at the canned wine market in the UK and thought actually it's quite, a, cans are quite a good way to do that, especially considering there's very little focus on quality on what exists in the UK market. Um, and Sally, to your point as well about this sort of producer side of things, we have a winemaker as part of our business, Sam, who's, who's our winemaker in South Africa. And when we spoke to him and approached him with the idea of the business, as far as he's concerned, Cannes actually solved two quite good problems for him. One, which is it's difficult to get small volumes of, of his wine out, out into the market. And the second is, is that he's very sustainability focused in what, he, in what he wants to do. So that really came together in, in quite a nice marriage. Um, and really... I think in terms of how we think of sustainability as a business, I think it's very easy to talk about sustainability, but I think you, it's got to be holistic. And when you talk about it holistically, that means across everything you're doing. So it includes the wine, it includes the packaging, it includes how you ship it. It's, it's the whole lot. Um, and that, that's really the way we, we try and approach it as a, as a business. Um, so for us, I think the reason that we think it, you know, this point about, will people pay more for sustainability is it important etc i think it really allows us to do three things and it's one match a sort of rising trend and interest in sustainability generally amongst consumers which is widely known about and, and accepted as a point 
you know, there are great use case benefits to old formats, I think, uh, across them. It's not just cans, it's bag and box, it's paper bottles, it's, it's a whole lot. And the third, which I think is something that is often really kind of forgotten about, not spoken about that much, is it's something new. It's something interesting. You know, there aren't that many wines in cans. You can build out a profile on that, and that is interesting. Um, and the final thing that we try and offer from that is, you know, we're, I don't feel it, but I suppose in numerical terms, we're relatively young. Um, so yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Okay. All right. Well, we'll come back on some of those things as we get further on. So, um, Carlos has a slightly different, uh, role in terms of innovation in packaging, um, uh, than the other three people on the panel or from myself. So Carlos, do you want to try and give the short overview of the two hats that you cover, which are really important in packaging as we look forward? Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you, Sally. Sorry, sorry, I was a bit late. The computer decided to crash exactly in the wrong moment. Uh, and of course, I blame uh, Bill Gates directly, personally for, for that. Um, anyway, um, it's fantastic to be in a wine conference uh, because I normally talk about rubbish. So I can tell you a lot about rubbish and, and I love talking about rubbish uh, or packaging in this case. And obviously in... In this situation, I'll be talking a little bit more about packaging. But yes, exactly. I don't do wine. I mean, I drink it. Don't take me wrong. Uh, you know, in in healthy amounts, uh, and I love it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm not here because of the wine. I'm here because of the rubbish um, and the packaging and what represents in this world of new packaging formats for something that used to be packed in uh, bottles and now uh, is packed in wine in boxes. And to be quite honest, Oli, I did not know the cans. Um, I know a lot about cans, but not wine in cans, which, you know, again, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, innovation, if you ask me. Um, so, yeah, uh, cutting to the chase, Enval is a company that developed a recycling process for complex to recycle packaging. Um, so I spend most of my time talking about packaging in waste in waste conferences and talking about waste in packaging conferences. And in, because this one is kind of neither here nor there, I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, both. Uh, what does complex packaging mean? Uh, and this is core to the message that I want to put, you know, if nothing else, just to, to, to roll a bit of debate in all this. Um, it comes from all this media stuff that we see of plastics in the ocean and you know poor little fish they are going to die because they are eating plastics and etc and etc cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, and yes of course you know uh, fish eating plastics is a bad idea um, but we blame it on the concept of plastics and for someone like me plastics means absolutely nothing you know there's not such a thing like called plastic there is polyethylene and there's polypropylene and there's polyesterine and there's PT and there are polymers and plastic comprises a lot of things. And we think that plastic will magically be recycled because, you know, why not? Well, there are several problems about that, but the, the main one, the, the one that brings me today here to talk to you is that plastics per se are pretty bad packaging or at least not very complete. None, none of all those uh, plastics that I mentioned before provides the functionality that will allow you to pack, for example, a wine in, in a box. Um, because yes, the box is the box, but it needs to have a bag inside and that bag is made of plastic. 
but it's actually not made of one single layer of plastic because it needs to provide several functions. And, and that's where complex packaging be, begins. And that's where um, the problems of, recycle, of, of recycling begin. Yes, we have uh, recycling for PET bottles, which are probably the easiest type of, of packaging and is the easiest type of packaging to recycle. Um, and PET bottles are the bottles for water, the bottles for Coke, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, we can just melt those and make a new bottle and that's okay. There's also HDP bottles, which are the bottles that we use for milk. And again, you can, in some cases, not in so, not so much as PT, but you can melt those things, produce new plastic and make a new bottle. But after that, you have a heck of a lot of other plastics that are not that easily recyclable mechanically. That's, that's called mechanical recycling. You just melt the plastic and make a new shape. And you have a lot of other complicated packaging that are layers of different plastics because each layer provides a different function for the packaging. And what happens is that you end up with a much more sustainable packaging because it saves a lot of resources because it uses very little material, but it makes recyclability more complicated. The problem is that we consumers, the media, and especially the media, love to blame it on all these issues of plastic in the ocean on the plastics. You know, the plastics are the bad guys. I'm sorry, but the plastics don't go to the ocean because they like to surf or they like a suntan. The plastics <laughs> go to the ocean because we, society, are pigs and drop the bag somewhere that then goes to the canal, that then goes to the river, that then goes to the ocean. Yeah. It's not that the plastics take the towel and say, hey, let's go swimming. So the plastics in the ocean is a problem of waste management. Yeah. And it's a problem of society not dealing with the plastics uh, in a sustainable way and of processes that have not been developed for this complex packaging that we have that is incredibly important to save food resources, to save food waste, to deliver conveniently uh, products around and in a more sustainable way. Um, it's, a very, it's a complex world that we are living in this plastics uh, recycling business and we, Enval, developed a process in order to treat this complex packaging in a way in which you can actually get circularity. It's not a mechanical recycling, it's called chemical recycling. And I can get a little bit more technical about that in a, in a little bit. This was just supposed to be just an introduction. Sorry about that, Sally. Um, but it is called chemical recycling, in which we get the packaging and we produce an oil that then you can turn again into new plastics. I'll leave it there because otherwise I'll carry on talking and that's not the idea. So yeah. Not here because of the wine, I'm here because of your rubbish. Okay. But I think what you have explained, and, uh, you know, and again, as a wine producer who's looked at different formats, did not understand that the inside the box, and I know that you know other people on the panel because you work together um, or, you know, with, with, the, with the work that you're doing, that there are very complicated plastics in terms of the, having a different layers within the, the container that holds the wine, because obviously I'm presuming you've got to make sure it's something that doesn't degrade with the acidity of the wine, but also um, doesn't have any leakage of anything that goes into the wine from the, from the bag and so on and so forth. So there's specific specificities that are needed for wine, but also that that creates a certain uh, complexity in terms of um, managing both the production, but also, like you said, the uh, disposal of it or the recycle, recyclability of it. So, uh, 
Correct. If I if I can just add something there, for example, um, the inside the the the, the bladders because that's what they call them, the bladders inside the boxes, um, are different layers of plastic, and the more complex the layers, the better it will protect the wine. But obviously, it will also become more expensive. Yeah, and you can have bags that will protect wine. You will never put a wine that is supposed to last there 20 years in a bag because, you know, market would not take it. But the fact is that there are materials that would be able to take it. Yeah, of course, they would be more expensive and you would not like to do it, but there are. Um, and, and you get more complex packaging, more shelf life, etc. The, the shelf life and the permeability and the function is very important. For example, and this has nothing to do with wine, but it's a very good way of explaining it. If you had a milk bottle, just a traditional milk bottle, HDPE, and you fill it with paint, with toothpaste, in about three weeks, would be completely aromaless because HDPE is terrible keeping aromas inside. The milk doesn't smell much, and obviously you drink it very fast, and therefore you don't lose that. But if you had toothpaste in a HDPE bottle in three weeks, no aroma, no minty flavor whatsoever. Yeah, and that's because of the barrier proposal. So more expensive materials perform better function. Obviously, they're slightly more expensive, but all of them have a recyclability issue at the end. Okay, right. So the more we talk about it, the more complex it seems. So, Oliver, I'm right. just going back to you in terms of um, uh, bag in box. So obviously, you started off with the bag in box specifically. Um, and when you look at that, um, clearly we're hearing more about the bladder that goes inside. We're hearing that then you can have different uh, um, uh, qualities of um, the bag that could perhaps keep the wine uh, longer. Because um, so, obviously one of the big things about bagging box people talk about is not being able to put a really good or wine that could age in a box. Um, and that, that, that could be uh, um, preventing certain wines being presented in that format and so forth. So just sort of hearing that from Carlos, um, what, you're, what you're using now, how sustainable is it? Obviously, Carlos is going to be great because he's also going to help with the recycling of it all. Um, and what else do you think then could be done in your area? Just thinking that the focus of this session is about new innovations. For some people, everything that people are talking about on this is innovative. But most people in this conference are also already in the wine industry, so have heard of these formats. So sort of looking at what you've got now and the next step forward, what else could be done then? Um, with the bib format, yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting. I think um, you know we when I came into this, I, uh, you know, I thought about it. so the obvious um, benefits as to how sustainable it is. I mean, I think we were wholeheartedly convinced because of the the, the lower carbon footprint. I mean, it's a huge saving, and you know, we're looking at sort of half a half a kilo of CO two equivalent per traditional bottle not used uh, when that wine goes into a box. That's massive, you know, 1.8 billion bottles of wine sold in the UK every year. Uh, you can almost times that by 1.5 because a third of the wine that we buy in the UK because it comes in bottles is thrown down the drain. So, you know, actually the the real saving is, you know, that's not included in any life cycle analysis. So the real saving is is, is greater still. You know, and then there is that, that just that pure wastage, which is awful. Um, the, the 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 weight of uh, packaging that goes into um, into our waste streams, 
um, at lower other polluting emissions as well. So wherever you look at um, you know, CO2 and CO2 equivalent emissions, you've also got to look at others that aren't included in that global warming picture. Um, so we're, we're cutting cutting down there, or, or rather the box format is. Um, so you know, I'm wholeheartedly convinced about about the most important environmental crisis that we have you know, on our horizon, which is which is to do with you know, what used to be called uh, climate change. I think it's now part of climate the climate crisis, but it's really a global warming factor. Um, and you know, I think it would be really sad if that incredible potential benefit for the wine industry. Um, were lost if we were looking into the wrong areas. So if we were looking and saying, well, let's pick apart the, the lack of recycling streams because the UK is a bit further behind some other countries in terms of the way they recycle. Or, you know, what we should be doing really is, is putting all of our efforts into backing uh, Carlo, Dr. Carlos's schemes and schemes similar to that, which actually can provide, you know, what we're doing with Dr. Carlos is, is free posts, um, and, and free to the user, um, easy to use recycling scheme for, for all of our packaging, all, all of our plastic and multi-layered packaging. So that enables us to offer 100% recycling. Um, and, and, and I think if we can focus on backing schemes like that um, to enable uh, the, the packaging types, alternative packaging types that offer a uh, a better solution for, for, for carbon footprint, then we really, you know, we'll be getting, getting somewhere. And I think that first admission actually for the industry is really, well, you know, where, where people can, drinkers can, they should, you know, if they can find a wine they like that doesn't come in a glass bottle, then they should be pursuing that avenue. If the wine that they want to drink comes in a glass bottle and it doesn't yet come, you know, or something similar, it doesn't, it doesn't come in alternative packaging, then of course that's fine. You know, we, we can't we can't be um, sort of extremists about it, and I think that that would have equal damage to the industry. But um, you know, I think you know, looking at the innovations that are coming at the moment, I, I had to think about what we had done as a company and. You know, working with Carlos is one of our biggest innovations. You know, you look at boxes, they've been around for a long time. Online sales, you know, we're an online first company now, and, then, and they've been around for some time. Um, you know, working with Dr. Carlos, we've been able to have 100% of our box um, packaging uh, recyclable. Um, also with our taster pouches, so, you know, a nice innovation for us, I suppose, is that we've been able to create these, these pouches for smaller um for tasting sizes which um you know it cuts out the glass cuts cuts down the the, the weight for postage and um and develop a in-house a zero oxygen filling system for that and, and and some other things as well the quality assurance process around box wine you know we've had to learn because we you know and the logistics but i think actually the real innovation that, that we'd look to do is to is to say well let's really push the quality levels up let's not take it up a notch let's take it all the way up let's take it to where we want it to be where we'd want to drink it you know and that's something that we'll continue to do is you know we've got a sunset on the way in a, uh, in, in a month or two which we're pushing the 50 pound a box um, barrier and i think you know we want to lead from the front and show people it can be done and learn the lessons collect the data on the quality assurance and you know actually going back to what dr carlos was saying about the different um packaging types is 
you know, one of the things that we've been doing is to work with our suppliers to say, well, come on, you know, these are the ones that are on the market right now, but what is a little more expensive that could work with other wines? You know, let's let's start working with some winemakers that, you know, whose wines can't be drunk straight away, really, because of the style, and let's see what we can do with that and start collecting data and, and moving that forward. So you know, that, that's really where, where we sit. I think... Um, you know, there are some fantastic innovations across the board when it comes to alternative packaging. I think, you know, and, and what we have to do is just say that, you know, pretty much alternative packaging is going to be the way forward. I remember two years ago at this forum, there was a, um, a, a speaker who, who represented a company, I don't think at the time had any um, non-glass bottles. And he said, you know, frankly, everyone in this room, I think knows that the, the only real um, substantive leap we can take towards sustainability that's meaningful would be to make a shift away from glass. And I think that you know, recognition of that fact is probably going to be the biggest, you know, on a wider basis, on a public basis, will be the biggest move that we can make as an industry. Uh, and, that's, and that's what I'm excited about, I think. Yeah, but we've got to have, the producers have got to have the infrastructure to be able to make that move. It's not just about, you know, so, uh, or else maybe our kind of wines just won't get drunk anymore. But do you think, I mean, this is to you, but also to Carlos and also chip in, Rob, because you obviously do bag and box as well. Is it a reality that in the future we are going to be looking at wine in bag and box that will keep, say, three years, four years? I mean, I'm not going to say 10, 15, but... I, I, can't, I can't see any reason why not. So I think the, you know, as Dr. Carlos has said, and, and, and he'll probably you know, have... You know, he, he comes from a packaging expertise basis, but from our discussions with our suppliers as well, you know, I can't see any reason why not long term. But actually, I think the important step is to say, well, for those wines that are ready to be drunk now, let's let's start moving in this direction. And I completely take what you say about producers. It can't be beholden upon producers. It's far too expensive. And I think for us, alternative packaging is a marketing benefit. But for a producer, there's, there's, you know, as well as all of the costs and material costs and technical challenges, that that um, marketing burden is, it, you know, to to sell their own wine and then to sell a, a new a new packaging format or different packaging format is huge. And so I think it's going to be companies like like the, the those in the panel to, today that to say, look, we've got. Lovely wines. We get it from great producers, and um, you know, it's one of the reasons why we have the producers' wine label. It's the same wine label that they use on their bottles. You know, these we buy from producers that um, you know only bottle their wines pretty pretty much, um, and these are the wines that go into those bottles. So we want to keep that connection with with the winemakers' wine, and keep their branding first and foremost. Alison goes around to the side and you know, plays second fiddle to that. Um, but I'll, I'll let um, Rob and, and Dr. Carlos chip in. Yeah, I mean, Rob, do you want to just chip in, obviously, if anything else, you know? I mean, I mean, yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought Carl, um, you know, Carlos, was, it was a very insightful um, uh, you know, point, actually, that you can, uh, you know, the, the, the materials do exist to make a bagging box with a shelf life of, of any kind of bottle, right? Um, or, yeah, it's within reason. I had no idea of that. To be honest. It was completely new information to me. I, never, I guess it's logical when you think about it. I mean, like, you know, Ollie's, Ollie's BIB... Um, I mean, if we're a premium brand that went in Rome, then he's definitely super premium, right? So I'm going to start saving up for a box of that 50 quid Sancerre right now, actually. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for us, we're a buy now and drink now brand anyway. And that's obviously, you know, there's a, I, I, 
I don't remember the stat actually, but uh, it, an incredibly high percentage of wine bought in the UK is just like drunk within 24 hours of purchase, right? And like that's where, you know, we, we I've, I said, I don't, ours is not wine to be put in the cell of your, your grandchildren anyway. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see other people pushing the boundaries that sort of we, we're not doing actually, you know, we, we, we know we're our place and it, we, I don't feel it's our place to kind of, to, to, to push in terms of, you know, we, we don't want a bag of boxes going to last for four years. Um, but it's just amazing to think that it can, can exist. Okay. Yeah, Sally, I'll also just chip in slightly, if that's all right, which is on yeah. your point. I mean, obviously, it's an interesting perspective about the producer side, because this is one that, that we certainly had, is when we came, so we started thinking about doing canned wine end of 2019. When we came, when we decided to do that, Every single person we went to in terms of canners um, and looking to put wine in them, nobody could give us any assurance on how long it would last in a can at all. No assurance on shelf life, clueless. Everybody just said, oh yeah, it's the same as beer, you'll be fine. Um, which gave us zero confidence. And I think that is a important factor, a really important factor to acknowledge is that things like that, you know, it's only until relatively recently that we've now been given um, shelf life assurance of over 24 months for what we've got. If anything, the wine seem to be, be, be getting better in can. But as a point that Ollie was making, you know, as a producer, it would be crazy to take that risk to, to go and put your wine in cans if you didn't know that. So what I would say to producers is leave it to the Ollies of this world and the Robs to have take that risk um, and try and do it. Because I think that's an important thing we've got to acknowledge with sustainability in all formats is only until, you know, relatively recently, i.e. a few months ago, were we actually given assurances that, you know, these products would, would, would really last. And until then, it was, it was a bit of a pun. We've actually had a question. I'm going to come back to the recycling uh, aspects. We've had a question on that in the chat. But also, somebody just popped up a question there, which um, you might be able to, following on from that, be able to answer. So when you're developing a new packaging f uh, materials, which regulation and legislation do you have to follow? So are you, is it the people who make the cans that then deal with them from the regulatory aspects? Yes, somewhat, I think is the answer to that. I mean, for us, it was more complicated because we can it all in South Africa as well. So we have to meet sort of various African standards and then also meet EU standards and then also meet UK standards. But I can tell you that getting the information out of can producers is almost impossible. Um, <laughs> And it's very, very difficult to find out what the requirements were. Um, but, you know, I'd say it took us eight months. So we got, we got there in the end and we're, we're always happy to share them with other, uh, you know, would-be canned, canned wine producers. Okay. Um, well, so Carlos, do you want to pick up on the waste management aspect? We've had a couple of questions in the chat about it, but also that's come up from the other guys. Um, yeah, of course. So very quickly in terms of the of the questions in the chat, yes, of course, there are some very, you know, pretty damaging reports of how our rubbish goes to, you know, other countries. And of course, that should not happen. But that is a tiny, tiny major minority of what happens to the rubbish in 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 the UK and in Europe. I'm not saying it's not exported. A lot of it is exported, but very few is exported. And then it ends up in the oceans. Uh, the majority, actually, are, the majority of the of the exports of rubbish in the UK go to the EU uh, because they use our rubbish to heat up their houses. Um, 
which is shocking when you think about it, because by the way, we need to pay them to take that rubbish and they use it as fuel because they have the energy from waste plants to, to do so. Um, <clears throat> but that aside, uh, the, 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 there is a problem of inf infrastructure, of course, but there is an issue not dissimilar to what Oli was uh, saying about, you know, leave it to the Ollis and the Robs of this world to take that um, chance. It's always the problem of chicken and egg, you know, and who does where. Well, that's exactly the same in waste, because in waste, you have an incredibly, incredibly risk adverse industry. So the large waste handlers in the entire world are totally risk adverse. And why? Amongst other things, because they don't give a pistachio on whether that kind of copper crew or the wine in box or a pouch of cat food or whatever gets recycled, gets incinerated or gets landfill. It's not their brand and they don't care. Amongst other things, because they get paid whatever happens to that can, that pouch, that bag, that whatever. Yeah, The way in which we society managed to create the waste sector is such an incredibly short-sighted, and this was not, is not new, it has been happening for a while, the large waste handlers get money irrespectively of what happens to the packaging. So therefore, they have absolutely no incentive to change their ways. Because believe me, there are very few simpler operations than getting a truck, reversing it into a hole, and dumping rubbish there. Okay? Dead easy. Not complicated at all. If I go to the waste handlers and I said, hey, by the way, this is a wonderful new recycling process that will make you earn more money because you will be able to recycle this and this and this and this packaging. They said, yeah, but you know, it's way more complicated than getting my truck, reversing it and dumping the rubbish in a hole. And that's the real problem because then there's no incentive whatsoever for the establishment, for established waste handlers to change their waste. And then it goes back into what the brands can do and what the packaging producers can do um, in order to change that uh, modus yep. operandi uh, and, and current situation. That's why we ended up establishing what we call the Laminous League, which is what uh, Oli joined, which is giving the brands the possibility of participating in the waste management by providing the consumers a way of sending their pouches back. Am I saying that that's the way for the future? Absolutely not. This is a scheme in order to, sh to show to consumers that this kind of packaging can be recycled, that local authorities don't do it yet, that municipalities or in other organizations in other European countries don't do it yet, but that the process to do it already exists. So what we are doing from a waste management point of view is to demonstrate that the process works using or, or collaborating with the brands in order to get more material, because if we don't have the material, we cannot pro prove that the process works, you know? And again, you end up in a chicken and egg situation. So by partnering with brands that show to their consumers that this can be recycled, we prove the point that it can be recycled with the idea of then deploying more and more technology so that the flexibles, because for me, the bag inside the uh, uh, bagging box is just a, a flexible packaging. Now that's how we um, re, uh, categorize it. So our intention is that our scheme with Oli and others that are considering in two or three years becomes obsolete. We don't want it, you know?
What we want is that the flexibles become a normal part of the collection of waste in everywhere. And it's happening, and there's a lot of regulations that I'm definitely not going to bore you with currently going on in the UK and elsewhere in Europe that will facilitate this from happening. And there's a lot, an enormous amount of work on how to use what is called, and yes, I'm sorry, I'm going to use chemistry now. Yeah, I started talking and you didn't shut me up in time, Sally. What we do is called pyrolysis, okay? And pyrolysis is getting plastic and breaking up in little units. And as you know, plastics come from crude oil. So what we do is that we heat up those plastics in the absence of oxygen. So there's no combustion, the thing is not incinerating. We're just breaking those long molecules into little molecules and those little molecules resemble what you find in crude oil. So in theory, we are depolymerizing, not in theory, in practice, we are depolymerizing the plastic into little units that resemble what you find in crude oil. And then they can go back to the oil industry to make new plastic or to make medicines or to make whatever. Yeah, that's what we do. There's an enormous amount of work currently going on with pyrolysis companies like Enval and many others with the large, large, large plastic producers to see how we close that loop. Why? Because it's the only way in which we will be able to get flexible packaging back into being recycled for food contact applications. Because one thing that we haven't really touched now, and even though it's part of that question that Oli just answered, in terms of food contact legislation, mechanical recycling of plastics is not allowed, okay? Except for PET bottles and for some HDPE bottles like milk bottles, the rest you cannot use flexible packaging that has been mechanically recycled to put new food or drinks. And as a consequence, you are stuck because you need to use new plastic. So you have that legislation called food, co food contact legislation in constant, in, in, in total and absolute, you know, opposition to the legislation that says that you have to have 30% recycled content. And they just clash against each other. And mechanic, chemical recycling will be the only way in which you can actually break that pattern. So um, I'm sure everyone would like to carry on listening to this because it's actually fascinating. And we did talk about it yesterday. But I do want to draw, bring in somebody else because it is clear that the sustainability of a packaging, as somebody mentioned earlier, is only as good as the whole loop of the recycling and bringing it back into use is. It's all right making the box out of recycled paper, but then if the insert cannot be recycled or cannot be, then you've got a gap in the site in the circle. Which I think that uh, unfortunately, as we talk to consumers, we try and make things simple, and sometimes by saying this is good, this is bad, uh, because we want to get across a simple message, and we all realise that there is a lot of elements within that, um, and trying to close that loop is really important. The waste management is a really important part of it. But just coming back then, if we're starting to think about the fact that, so I'm starting with you, Rob, what else do you think you can do or are looking at um, that would actually be the next stage of innovation in packaging? Well, I mean, so I, the thing is with, you know, if I, we consider ourselves to be an innovative company, right? In reality, you know, we're a small company with limited financial resources, you know, just like you as a small producer, Sally, right? And we, um, our innovations are cheap ones, right? So we, you know, we have an innovative brand. We like to think we have an innovative marketing strategy. You know, we work with 
a lot of you know very local producers and we like to think that's an innovative sourcing strategy but like in terms of the packaging innovation like we don't have the resources to drive that and that is led by you know the, our packaging suppliers be it ball for the cans or smurfit kappa for the boxes right and and they're already working with people like carlos um on on, on solutions for, for for their for the recyclability right and then and have been done for many years i think our key role as a, as a brand and like on a moral level is just to, commu- is to communicate those benefits to the consumer. Like that's what we can do because we talk to them and we have these conversations with our packaging suppliers all the time um, is how do we actually, you know, I mean, people like Smurfit Capital in particular are very candid about that. Like we, we, we're, we're, a, we're a packaging company. We're not very good at talking to consumers and like, how should we, how can, you know, how can, how can we help you to do this better? Um, and, and that's where our role lies because, um, Again, you know what uh, what Ollie is already doing with Carlos, for example, like, and that's fabulous, right? And um, we're not doing that yet. You no, know, uh, we'd we'd love to actually, um, but it's again, it's like how do you how do we how do we you know how do we communicate the benefits of doing this to our consumers? And that's where our key innovation lies, really, to so try and get people excited about it. You know, like our brand is focused upon getting people excited about our products um, and communicating yeah. the benefits of our packaging, but like going forward is like how do we get people excited about making sure that they they're responsible in, in actually recycling the the, the bib inner for example you know or taking a can of wet and rooms to the park and not just leaving it under a bench or you know so it rolls into a river you know that, that's that's where i see our key kind of where we need to improve our innovation is, is in our messaging right and that, and that you know it's fair enough we're talking we're focused on packaging today but you know, the whole of the product from start to finish has got to be uh, focused on sustainability, you know, from the vines, you know, forward. So. I mean, that's a really good point because us as a business, and we've actually discussed this, you know, and it's speaking very candidly, we understand very well the environmental footprint of our packaging um, and how it can or cannot be recycled. Um, we don't, as we're not a producer ourselves, and we have work to do to fully understand um, the environmental, foot, yeah, the, the carbon footprint of what our of our producers, and it will be very different. We're working on that now. Um, you know, you start off, you're desperate not to greenwash, and you start looking at these carbon tools, and you're putting in different variants that you're receiving from producers, and it sometimes has really quite unsettling results because the the footprint of a producer from Friuli, where you know the water is just melting from the Alps and rolling into a vineyard compared to a guy in Sicily is very different, right? Under the same sustainable brand. So that's a big challenge for us, right? Um, and it, you, know, you, you, you start off, you're determined not to greenwash anything. And then you start punching these variables in and go, oh my God, you know, maybe I could like shave a little bit off here. And you know, like it's really tempting, okay? And, and so we have a lot of work to do. You know, the packaging is just one part of the, the footprint of our brand. And um, it's the only part we understand properly, to be honest. So we've got a lot of work to do to understand the rest. And, and Sally, I'll just weigh in as well quickly yeah, on the innovation yeah. point. Is I also think one of the biggest responsibilities we have and actually innovation that we can do is working together. I actually think that is one of the best things we can do. We did a great, a good example of that was Rob Organizer's tasting of six different canned wine brands, which we just gave to people. It wasn't about showing off the brand. It was about showing that canned wine exists. And that is, I think, a very good example of how we can show people that these things exist. Carlos, you didn't even know that canned wine exists, you know you know everything there is to know about packing. So those are the things, I think that's a key bit of innovation is genuinely working together. I think an unfortunate reality of the situation is there's, there's no silver bullet here. Nobody's gonna answer this for you. 
It is about everybody working together across the value chain. And the other thing which I think is, is critical and is a, another sort of grim reality is I think legislation has to happen. I think there has to be a broader framework to improve, for example, the reasons that you'd want to buy a can over a bottle. I think that has to happen as well. So I think those are the, all, all, for us, are the kind of key ingredients where you bring those together and it will start moving things in the right direction. But it's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a long-term game. It's definitely not a quick one. And just on the point that somebody previously in the, in the chat mentioned, I think you answered, um, obviously we talk about cans, handy size for a picnic or for a beer in the park or a glass of wine in the park, um, you know, uh, or wherever, but the, in terms of size, but you know, why aren't there bigger cans uh, if it's such a great uh, material in terms of recyclability um, and the high recycle, recycling rates and so on. So why aren't there bigger cans? So, simple answer to that is it's very strongly regulated of what you can put in what size can. It's a weights and measures thing in the UK dictated by HMRC of what you can put in different size cans. So basically 187, 200 and 250 mil are pretty much your only options. And depending on what wine it is, if it's sparkling, if it's still, you can only put it in certain things. So it's one of the uh, an interesting analogy is in craft beer and Brewdog changed how it used to be you could only serve pints. They changed the legislation so that you could serve two third pints. And it's a similar kind of thing um, with uh, cans and why they can only come in, in 250 mil pretty much mostly at the moment. But in the UK that is. But in the States, you know, you see different, different sizes, 375, 330, all sorts. But that's basically why in the UK. Can I jump in there? Because obviously with bag and box we have a similar thing that you know, why not smaller sizes and things like that. And I think, you know, actually when you look at um, you know, we have pouches for samples, but you know, they're a fair bit smaller, but cans and um, and boxes for, for retail, you've got to also play to your strongest suit. If you're trying to have these formats be widely adopted, um, then you're offering something else. So bag and box, you know, it's, it's great for a picnic if it's a picnic with a few people and you're going to get through a bit of wine. Um, you know, take a couple of boxes. But actually, if you're going um, for, a, for a quick picnic and there's just a couple of you and, you know, you only you want two different wines, then, it, you know, at lunchtime, that's probably going to be a couple of cans, you know, and it gives you the ability, smaller size, um, super convenient, really light, you can chuck it in, you know, pocket or handbag or whatever. You know, it has real benefits at it, at its size, and the same with the bagging box. For me, you know, our strongest suit is, you know, not too big because then people won't finish it, so then you're not cutting down waste, but big enough that actually it's lovely to have it on tap in your house. You know, if you go down to 750 mil in a bagging box, well, you, you lose longevity straight away because um, you lose volume surface area ratio. Um, but also that's, you know, when people aren't buying it to, to keep on opening new boxes, you know, they're, they're buying it not to keep on opening new boxes. They're, they're buying it so that it's on tap. And, and I think it's about, you know, showing the convenience of, of these sustainable packaging formats. And there's a number of them. And I think, you know, almost, it'll be almost certainly the ones that have things to bring to the party, like cans and box wines, that actually, you know, um, are, are the ones that are successful because they're adopted for sustainability, great tick in the box, but also for another reason. So double reason for a consumer to, to, to purchase that uh, packaging. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I think that also goes to the point that you're not just going to get a purchase purely because of sustainability. You're going to get the purchase because you're providing more things, better quality, 
interesting branding, yeah. use case scenario, et cetera, et cetera. All of those have to come together. And I think you're, you're absolutely right on it, yeah. So um, I've heard quite a lot of people talking today uh, before, the conf before this session, but during the conference, during the day, talking about, um, you know, some things are quite quick fix. Some things will actually save you money in the long term as well by being sustainable. That um, We also know that some sustainability projects do cost you money. I know that from a personal perspective in terms of the infrastructure that you have to put in, in terms of, you know, for saving water or... Or, or so forth, but it's true that some um, some of the options can actually be money saving, not only add cost to to the consumer. Um, so you mentioned, I mean, obviously we understand that waste management is a big area that needs to be fixed. Ollie, you've talked about working together as a small thing uh, that can be done. What else could we do in terms of innovation in packaging that can actually move forward some of the innovations we've got to be to have more impact? Um, than they're already having, um, because I do think that, um, you know, by actually some of the quick fixes, maybe, um, is there anything from your areas that you can think of, and including Carlos, that could actually help with sustainability? Without Just a very, a very quick one from me, which is something we've already seen, and Sally, we, we touched on it briefly when we spoke, is that, you know, uh, availability of being able to can and put your, put your wine in, in bag and box as well. When we started in 2019, there was no way you could do it in the UK in small volumes with a quality orientated product. That's now changed. And I think um, that's, a, that's a good example of how it will, it will become easier uh, over time as, as these formats are taken a bit more seriously. But that's just a very, a very quick one. No, I think that'll be true of, of logistics as well. The logistics required alongside that filling um, side is, is different. And, um, you know, we've had to, you know, companies like, um, you know, Rob's, where I believe it's box mainly sort of at source, hand in hand with the winemaker, and then you know with us and and Ollie's where we're we're filling in. You know, I don't know where you fill actually, Ollie, but we're filling in the UK. And um, you know, we've had to cobble the logistics together, and um, you know, created afresh, and um, you know, with limited resources. But I, I think you know, alongside those aspects, which really will only come around because. Ollie and Rob and I and other companies in the same fit, uh, sector are doing what we're doing. They won't just naturally spring up. The services don't don't appear until there are people to use it. It's Carlos's chicken and egg situation. But I, I still, you know, I, I still certainly want to go back to what Rob said. I think the biggest thing that we can do is around messaging. You know, you mentioned it yourself, keeping it simple. You know, the biggest positive that we can mention with all of these formats is the lower carbon footprint. It's the most important issue we have. Yes, we can answer questions on other aspects and there are other benefits. You know, now we can say 100% recyclable and we can offer schemes you know, through, you, through Carlos's facility to do that. But let's just leave from the front and say, this is better, you know, make your own mind up. And then the industry does a huge amount of soul searching, you know, and you see it if, you, if you're ever unfortunate enough to, to, to log into Twitter, it's um, sort of constant kind of going down various rabbit holes. How can we, how can we better get consumers to understand boxes? Should we call them casks or kegs or that? You know, let's not try and pull, a, pull the wool over anyone's eyes. The boxes are wine. It's a bag and box, you know, whichever one you want to use, you know, one company will use one, one will use another whatever successful will be the one that's most widely used you know that's neither here nor there i think we just have to admit that all of these alternative formats really long term are the way to go uh, for the majority of wines that are to be drunk you know right now and potentially in the future for other wines too and that's not to say you can't buy wine 
from another format. But um, let's just sort of admit to ourselves and take the message out to the world and, and, and not try and pick holes in it and, um, and soul search and, you know, let's back Carlos's scheme and everything else to make it better, to give, make it easier to answer other questions. But, you know, there's a huge opportunity with the amount of wine that's drunk worldwide, worldwide and with the amount of carbon um, footprint that can be saved. Um, and, you know, any saving is better than none. All alternative formats provide that. So, you know, it, we don't have to give up glass tomorrow, but we have to just make a statement, push in the right direction. Um, and it, right now, that's that's Ollie and Rob and I and uh, and me and um, and others. And um, you know, I think that'll get. It's certainly got the backing of um, media. I think um, you know the first time that um, Ollie put his cant in front of journalists and they could say, "Well, at last, something I can get behind." You know, that's great. The same with us and uh, and Rob with Bag and Box. You know, that they everyone's been waiting for this, and I think consumers aren't stupid either. They've been waiting for it for a while as well. So we probably need to be less inward looking and um, and uh, and just push forward. And I think it's going to come. And Carlos, have you got a, uh, obviously you're not from the wine space, but have you got any insight into innovation uh, for the future from the packaging or waste management perspective? Well, the, the, there's um, the only quick thing that I see is that, that same one, the messaging. Um, I am very concerned about in this particular, obviously all it doesn't apply to you with the cans, but in terms of the plastic and everything that I have been talking about the plastics, um, it's the, the way in which the emotional debate has taken place has been very dangerous, very dangerous for all of us, because the way I see it, um, it doesn't matter that the fish will stop dying because they are eating fish, uh, eating plastics. The problem is that the fish will be dead anyway, because the oceans will be too warm. Um, and that's kind of problematic, if, if you know what I mean. A lot of these uh, knee-jerking reactions, because all plastics are bad, are really against climate change, really, really against climate change. Um, so having this debate about having proper life cycle assessments, about having proper assessment of what the packaging does, what the plastic is, and, and really putting the pressure on where the pressure should be, and it's not necessarily the plastics per se, but it's how we deal with them, is the right, uh, is the right thing. I am doing everything I can so that the flexible packaging does not become a thing of the past because at the because because it saves enormous amounts of resources and it saves enormous amounts of food. And at the end of the day, the carbon footprint is embedded in the food. There's tiny proportion in, in the packaging, right? Okay. So we, we should not, you know, this has nothing to do with wine as such, as you said, but we should bring the debate back to, to, to science, to the life cycle assessments, to not emotional debate about packaging. Uh, the plastics are not the bad guys here. But it would be rather ironic, wouldn't it, if we were all sitting here in five years um, talking about the fact that all wine should be in the new plastic that you have uh, that you have managed to invent, and that the. Well, I, I'm not necessarily a plastic person, but if that happens, well, you know. <laughs> I think that we've had our time.